When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast, the multi-award-winning comedy night. We've launched the podcast. We sit down with some of our favourite comedians who curate, they put together what would be their dream, their fantasy gig. Comedians on the bill can be dead or alive. Um, it can be comedians who might have wronged them and maybe doing this gig is like some sort of revenge. Uh, the, the gig can be themed um it can be what it can be whatever they like and then there's there's also a few other extra questions thrown into the mix for good measure we've got some absolutely eye-watering names to come in the the weeks ahead and we're, and we're launching with one of our absolute favorites in josh widdicombe tim mate i feel like this podcast has been planned since around the collapse of the berlin wall in 1989 how does it feel to be finally launching I'm yeah I'm delighted to be launching it feels like something can I say it's an idea that started during lockdown it's an idea that started during lockdown this is correct Josh Widdicombe what can you say about Josh Widdicombe household name national treasure in waiting one of the best comedians I've ever seen and he will not take that compliment lightly but he he is he's you sort of, I wonder because Josh is so big, you sort of take for granted what an incredible comedian he is. I mean, that that whole weddings routine on his most recent tour slash special is as good as stand-up gets. It's joyous. His most recent show is his best show, and that's not always the case for everyone. So yeah, absolutely. getting better and better. To bang out your best work... What, what is he? Fifteen years into in the game, or I mean, it's it's because uh, so you know, look, it's very you know, there is that first album syndrome is is a real thing, isn't yeah. it? And so for Widders to be getting better and better, he won't like all this. I was going to say, my favorite thing about this is how much he'll absolutely hate every second of it. He'll be he'll be skipping this bit. Yeah, absolutely, quite right. Skipping this bit while sending abusive WhatsApps, and I, you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. What we would say, we hope you enjoy this episode. If, if I tell you what, if you would like to join in and drop us an email with your dream comedy gig, after maybe you're inspired by Josh, maybe you've got stories from gigs. I'm sort of giving away what one of the questions is. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. You'll soon get on board with with what's going on. And if you want to drop us an email, we are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. I'm going to overshare. When we're on lockdown, I set up this email address, the team at alwaysbecomedy. Dot com as if there as if there's like 112 people who work for always be comedy the team it, you're you're listening to us right now it is quite literally tim and myself so drop us an email actually tim we've got to address it's an elephant in the room for us to we've got to address we we recently won the best pro comedy night at the chortle awards 
I'm, lo- I'm looking at your poster of it right now. I've got a poster of it. I, I literally, I, I've never put, I've never framed anything so quickly in my life. I nearly, I nearly cut my fingers on the glass. I was so eager to put it in there. I want the reason why I wanted to bring it up is that I don't think in the history of mankind that two people have celebrated anything more. <laughs> than, I know footballers who've scored winning goals in. I mean, I don't know them. I wish I did. I don't think Andre Iniesta celebrated scoring the winner in the World Cup final for Spain as much as Tim and I celebrated winning best pro commentator. It's because we've tried for years and we've, we've never won it. And so we finally won. And it was, you know what, Tim? It's a high from which I don't think we've yet come down, even though it was a good couple of weeks ago. Oh, it was absolute scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was limbs, as uh, football fans would say. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so look, I, 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 why am I bringing that up? I, I guess ego must be part of it, but it's also to say, um, always be comedy. And I, this is a, I'm keeping it football here, but a lot of a lot of people in football say football would be nothing without the fans, and always be comedy would certainly be nothing without the people who come to our gigs. So huge and heartfelt thanks to the people who, who attend the gigs. Thanks to you for listening to this. If you want to know more about the comedy night, we're across the socials at Always Be Comedy. And our website is alwaysbecomedy.com. In the meantime, we present uh, one of our favourite comedians. So without further ado, here, here is the maestro, Josh Widdicombe. Josh Widdicombe, huge and heartfelt thanks uh, for, for joining us on the podcast. Always Pleasure to be here. A big favourite, uh, Always Be Comedy. Uh, Do enjoy it. Josh, uh, you, did it, you first did it, I reckon, best part of 10 years ago. Really? I've got no memory of that. I think it was, I think you did a preview. I don't even think Last Leg was a thing yet. That feels, that feels like, a, I don't think there was a world when Last Leg wasn't a thing yet, was there, James? That's, um, You're I, correct. Yeah, I, I find that quite offensive. Um, <laughs> if so, I, I don't deny that, but I've got a terrible feeling. I don't remember it. Well, not I haven't got a terrible feeling. I don't remember it. Where would it have been? Tommy Field. Oh, that didn't happen, I don't think, did it? Yeah. All right, fine. Who was I on with? I can't remember. It was, I, can't, I cannot remember who the preview was with. But you were, you, you were yet, I think you were yet to be TV's Josh Widdicombe, but it was, it was happening. God, who the hell was I? Um, yeah, fair enough. I accept that. I accept that could be true. But um, I'd say my main memories of it are doing it in the last five years. Uh, the problem with it is, it's, it's such a nice gig that it does mean it is is not a good way to prepare for a tour that won't be as easy as doing the Tommy Field on a Thursday. I think you once said to the crowd, you'd finished your you'd finished a set, and you said the problem with you lot is I've got to go to Luton tomorrow. Yeah, and oh really, the pro- that was the problem with my life rather than the problem with the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and you said something like, "The problem is I'll say to Luton." Oh, they left. They left in Kennington. Um, yeah, you always had, you've always had a lovely relationship with the room and the night and the. Club. Always liked it, apart from once when you turned the room around uh, for an act uh, who had a projector, and for some reason no one laughed that night. That was so weird. Turned out they only laughed in one direction. You are not the first person to say that. Am I not? No. Well, there was only th- two others on, so I know that it's one of them. No, on the very rare occasion we have to spin the room around for a projector, yeah. more than one act has who who wasn't the projector act 
have come off and said, please don't do that ever again. <laughs> uh, I've also got to say, Josh, uh, one of my abiding memories of you with Always Be Comedy, will, and it will always be the online night where you and I, so the, the, in the embryonic stages of the online nights, when we didn't realise you could have an audible front row and we did it to silence, Yeah, jo Josh and I had done this pre-prepared badinage I wouldn't. I'd say, I don't know if it was pre-prepared. Was it? Let's go with pre-prepared. That sounds scripted. It wasn't pre-prepared. But we we knew that we were going to hit certain beats. Did ask we? Me, ask me. So it was like, right, James, be sure to ask me about. But 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 but. Do you still do your online gigs? Yes. Yeah, because it was a really strange period. The online gigs. I, I I never really. I always thought it was better to be talking to someone like this than the. Just doing stand-up sat in a spinny chair in your office just felt so bizarre to me. I never quite got my head around that. But Always Be Comedy was the only one that kind of made it work, and I don't know why that was. Well, it was actually, it was it was your agent, Flo. She... Uh, Is to blame. We'd done, we'd, done a, we'd done a couple of episodes to silence, and then she got in touch and said, why don't you try... Flo, absolute online comedy pioneer here, she goes, why don't you try with the audible front row? And we were we were a bit reticent. Oh, we we tried it on a practice and it didn't work. And Flo yeah. was very much, well, you know, give it a go. And we gave it a go. And it, that that absolutely changed everything. But before we knew that we could do that, Josh and I, back and forth, I thought it was going well. And then we had a chat box that was swiftly disabled after this. And up popped a comment, what time? What, we're about 10 minutes into it. And she went, yeah. what time does the comedy, the comedy start? start? Oh, my God. I can still pick remember the, that. Pick the bones out of there. Yeah, and it appeared on screen. And me and you, neither of us referenced it. That was the problem. So everyone could see it because everyone can see the chat. Everyone who's watching can see it, but neither of us had the guts to reference it. So it just disappeared as if neither of us had noticed it, both knowing the others noticed it. And I think I texted you about a week later and said... We both saw it. I I got I got out of the shower. New message. Yeah, Josh Wickham. Didn't need the shower, said, bit, did we? We both. We, did we know, need the image of you getting out of the shower? Yeah, I'm just painting a picture. I'm an artist. Okay. Um, and it's and it said, "You Gil, you know that we both saw it, and I knew exactly yeah. what you're referring to." And it was when yeah, you're coming out, out the shower. shower <laughs> you know we both saw it. It's quite a weird text. <laughs> That's why his TV is Josh Riddickham. Um, so, no, th well, thank you. And then you came back and did a few more once we'd rectified the silence. Mm. Yes, it was um, It was genuinely, um, yeah. But if this is a roundabout way to ask me whether I'd do another one of your online gigs, the answer is no. It wasn't, but I, 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 I wish it was now that you've said that. That would have been amazing, but no. Do you know, the last time I did an online gig for you, I needed to do a warm-up. I needed to do a warm-up gig for something that I was doing. I needed to do 10 minutes. And Nish said, I've got a gig. You can do that. And then I didn't realise till the day. I think I might have even texted you and said, what time am I on tonight? And you were like, you know it's online. I was like, what? I thought it was a normal gig until the day. Absolutely. Nish absolutely hung me out to dry in that situation. What was the, what was the gig? Was it a charity gig? I was doing a warm-up for something, like the Royal Variety or something. And I needed a gig. And Nish said, oh, I was just about to drop out of Always Be Comedy. And I was like, great, perfect. Oh, I can just God. go to a gig and do my set on the day. Turns out it's me in my office 
chatting to you for 10 minutes. Absolutely. Through, let me say, gritted teeth. You, you, you are, uh, you know, at the Royal Variety in some monologue. Damn you, Gil, I should have been so much better. Yeah, it's very rare at the Royal Variety, you think. God, I wish I could just repeat that kind of... Could we not have done this on Zoom? <laughs> Your Highness. Yeah. Uh, mate, it's been it, it's been a it's a bumper time for you at, at the moment, isn't it? it uh, as my mum would say, it's all it's all happening for you, Josh. Is it? I've, I'm taking some time off at the moment, a bit really, but last leg continues and stuff. Yeah, it's it's. I'm trying to do less. I'm trying to ease down. How come? Because I would say there's the show with Brooker, last leg, parenting hell, parenting hell live, O2 coming up, parenting hell book. I'm, yeah, I'm, but that's all under the same umbrella. That those you can't you can't describe those three as separate things. I, mate, if you're playing the O2, come on. Well, yeah. Do you, I, I the thing about us doing the O2 is I'm trying not to think about it. But we've put a warm up in on Zoom the night before, so that should do the job. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, when is the O2 gig? April. You've played it before, haven't you? I've done the Channel 4 Comedy Gala. I was on last once. I did it three times. It was terrifying the first time. It's amazing by the last time how jaded you become. And I was on last because I was doubling it with something else that I had to do. And I got there and you're meant to do five minutes and everyone had overrun. And the producer, Anthony, came up to me and said, would you be okay to do two and a half minutes? And I was like, yes, I fucking would. That is absolute music to my ears. By the time you've walked on, you've done 30 seconds because it's such a big stage. You do two jokes and you're done. I, I, Anyone who asks me to do less time when I do stand-up, that is the dream scenario for me. Quit while you're ahead, that's my view. Mate, I could not agree more. Obviously, it's not the same scale, but if I'm emceeing a gig somewhere and the promo- this happens quite a lot, the promoter will come up to me, like almost, t- you know, pa- he's panicking because he's going, James, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to... I don't know how to say this to you, and I apologise, but could you get the headline act straight on? Yeah. Well, could you right. do less work? You yeah, of course I could. Have the you only heard... time, the only time when, um, like, I thought, well, I'm not sure about that, was I was doing a tour show um, in Blackheath, and um, it was like the, the interval, and I was about to go back on, and it was like, whatever it was, 10 past nine or whatever. Um like the, so, the second half is the main part of the tour show. The first half, the support does twenty, and then I do twenty, and then there's a break, and then you come back and you do your hour. Um, and uh, it was like ten past nine. I said to my tour manager, who just stood there, I said, "I oh, might like as a joke." I was like, "Should I just do fifty minutes tonight?" And then the the sound man leant over and went, "If you could be done by nine fifty, that would be great because quite a lot of us have got to catch a train." And you're like, <laughs> "Mate, I'm about to do a tour show." <laughs> Like, people have paid for these tickets and you're wanting me to cut it short because you guys want to cut a tra- catch a train. Absolutely unbelievable. What did you do? Tell me you did the full show. Yeah, of course I did, yeah. I wasn't going to cut it short so that the guy could catch his train. Guys, you yeah, probably paid for their tickets and you're like, look, I'm sorry, everywhere else in the country got the full show, but here, there is a 9.50 that people are trying to get. It wouldn't be fair to Terry if I didn't call it a day now. So. Yeah, exactly. 
you think this is an abrupt ending? Um, have you? Who is the? Have you ever? Right. One thing that always fascinated me is the act that when they're told, "Sorry, instead of doing twenty, can you just do 15? and they kick off. Oh, what is wrong with people? Do, who who wants to do more work? I just don't. I remember Joe Wilkinson telling me when I started out, he said, for me, 20 means 16. And that's the best piece of advice I've ever been given. I've never overrun because I just, I'm too negative in my mindset that if it's going badly, get out of there. If it's going well, quit while you're ahead. The thought of trying to turn the gig around, why why are you trying to do that? They don't like you. Fuck off. Have you, have you ever heard... Have you ever heard Mike Gunn's story? Uh, Mike Gunn, um, somebody saw him at a gig, and they said, "Would you like to? Uh, would you like to open for the boy band Blue?" Uh, right. I think it, I think it was in Dubai. Could be wrong. Right. And Mike Gunn was like, "Not really." And they said, "This is the fee." Yeah. And Mike and Mike suddenly went, "So when are we? When are we flying?" Yeah, out? yeah, yeah. And so, so he said, "Gets out there like all day in the pool." You know, drinks on a lilo, all of that, perfect. Gets to the gig, and then the promoter comes over again, like nearly, nearly crying. Mike, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say this. Um, and Mike, and Mike's thinking, oh god, am I going to have to do the, am I going to have to do a full show because Blue aren't here? <laughs> and he goes, we're, we're overrunning so badly. Can you just walk out and just say, please welcome Blue? It's <laughs> <laughs> my dream. That's my absolute dream. That situation. Mike, like feigning annoyance. Oh, you, you are, you're joking. You, you can do a bit. If you, no, 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 it's fine. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I walked out. Please welcome Blue. Walked off. Oh my god. Money in the bank. Oh my god, what a win. You do when you do like live the Apollo and stuff. There's a clock counting down, which is so obviously it's very useful, but it's. I find it, you know, that then someone would overrun and you're like, how? There's literally a clock in front of you. It's, let's be honest, we we all have, including the sound man at Blackheath, we all have a time we think we're going to get home. And if that disappears out the window because someone wants to do more, I just can't, I can't, I can't believe it happens. Imagine if you were... I know we've got a lovely job that we all enjoy, but imagine if you're in another job and someone said, if you were working, when I was working Waterstones, if some, if I got there to do my shift at 10 and someone got on, I was just going to do another hour, actually. You're right. <laughs> and then you could stay for another hour after. It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable, James. I, I need to be vague when I say this. I was warming up. A, you uh, must have people that do it at Always Be Comedy, don't you? Oh, yeah. And what do you do about that? There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. All, uh, the most we do is that Tim and I look at each other. <laughs> it's, the most, it's the most British thing ever. We just we just look at each other as if to say, oh, for God's sake. Do you know, I remember this the other day. My first ever gig. Oh, it was like a Friday night open mic night. And... I was on the bill and it was hosted by a man called Jimbo. You aware of Jimbo? Yeah, I think so. And he was having such a bad gig that at one point um, he hit himself repeatedly on the forehead with the mic and drew blood. Oh my God. 
it was incredible in a bad way. Uh, and then Luke Tolson was on, I think. And then like someone else was on uh, like an improv troupe. But essentially I sat there and they said, we'll just announce you on when you're on. We haven't got a running order. It's a bit free form. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, so it's like names out of a hat, essentially. I got to the end of the night. I was like, fucking hell, they're putting me on late. They must have They must have seen something in me. <laughs> and then they wrapped it up and they'd forgotten no. to put me on. Oh, and I'd no, sat there the no. whole night. You know what it's like when you're anticipating your first gig? Yeah, I do. And they'd sat there the whole night. So you you sat there for, you know, three, maybe even four hours with yeah. your soul scraping the sides of your body. Yeah. Oh God, it'll be me next. It'll be me. And oh my God. Every time. Pe- people that never been to open mic nights don't appreciate what they are like. My wife, yeah. now that we've got kids, my, my wife doesn't really come to gigs, as you can imagine. And it's not her bag anyway, but she will still bring up, when I started out pre-kids, she will still bring up specific open mic nights that she was at. Oh my God. Do you remember when? Oh my God. Mate. It's a subculture, isn't it? It. I think that it's ripe for a, like... Documentary, documentary, yeah, hundred percent. If someone said to me, "Louis Theroux's doing a documentary where he goes to comedy open mic nights," I'd go, "That documentary can't be long enough for my taste." Yeah, it's it's, it's one of the few times that you hope you actually hope Netflix make more episodes <laughs> instead of the usual Netflix. Uh, you know, let's have eight episodes where one would do. That is the opposite. Where you, that you'd want that to run forever, like a soap opera. <laughs> Yeah, and you'd meet such interesting, like, everyone had such a story to them. Do you know what I mean? And so, Different categories, I would say. Those that were that were going to make it or break through and move on. So they, they were, you know, they were, they were doing the hard yards to get the skills to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. Someone probably going through a divorce. Yeah, or about to. Or about to. People... In, a way, in a way, I was both. Now, I wasn't going through a divorce, but uh, I was—I went through a breakup quite early on in open mic, and that committed me to this is all I've got now. So, in a way, I was—I yeah, sure. was both your first categories. I'd say people working through, shall we say, issues. All three now, and then I think there are there are lifers. There are those that will be on the open mic circuit forever. Yeah, the the thing with the open mic circuit is. I look back on it with a, a deep nostalgia, and you'll kind of see that when you see my choices, actually, um, as a really nostalgic period of my life. But I don't know. It was unremittingly... Those gigs were unremittingly tough. Tough is the word I was thinking of. And I actually, when I was warming up for this last tour I did, I was going to say, warming up for this podcast appearance. <laughs> You did the O2 last night to get yeah, ready yeah, for this. Yeah, exactly. I did, um, I did. I was doing some gigs in town and someone who ran an open mic gig contacted me and they were like, I've got an open mic gig in town if ever you want. I was like, I'm in town, I might as well. And it was like, I turned up and there was like eight audience members, four of which were foreign tourists, so didn't really understand what was going on uh, in terms of like the language barrier was too much. And I just thought, Oh my God, this is what it used to be like. This was, I remember doing a gig above a pub to two people, two people yeah. on a date. 
right? Oh, God! And one of the acts had driven up from Cardiff to play to two people. Yeah. And you're like, this is fucking insane. This is absolute madness. And like, but you don't realise that. You're like, I've got a gig, I've got a gig, I've got a gig. Right. I've got to get back, I've got to... I did that gig with um, Lembit Opic when he did an open mic gig. Did you really? Yeah, I was on that, Bill. Amazing. It was Lembit Opic, and um, he... At one point, he ended up doing this riff where he was talking into his shoe as if it was... Um, it was a riff on, you know, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber? Oh, yeah. No, no it wasn't. Right. Um, I can't believe you believe that he did a Richard... You really sold it. I was like, I was, I was... oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a Richard Reed bit. I imagine, Edgy, yeah, Edgy Olympic. Yeah, it was so bizarre. And then he left with one of the cheeky girls, the one he was going out with. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he got papped leaving with her. And then I went back in, and he was back in there, just having a drink without her. I was like, what's going on here? It was the bizarrest night of all time. So what? So so was that? Were they just together for the attention? I don't know. No, I, I wouldn't like to say that. But that, all I can say is what I saw. Josh, why are you winking as if to say yes? I'm not. I'm, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, do you know how many any categories out when I went through the people of the open mic circuit? No, like I remember one guy. So this is, and he was, he was bad at comedy. He was, but he was a lovely bloke. But you know when you're just like, it's just such a nice guy. And he was married and he lived in like suburbia and he had a nice job. And he'd come to these gigs and he'd tank routinely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think he might have been slightly before your time. And I remember... I say, if, if, the, if you were talking about me, I was going to burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Crystal Palace isn't the suburbs. But... um. I think um, he he said, I remember one gig, um, he said to me, like, he sat down with me beforehand, he was like, it's just not going well. Um, and I'm thinking of quitting, right? And the problem is, right, I'm a weak human being I'm, and I hate awkwardness. So I said... No, 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 you're great. I think, you, what do you mean it's not going on? And I'm sure you would have done the same, right? 100%. Yeah. Worst thing you could do, because I probably, and he was like, oh, right, yeah. No, we'll carry on. And I thought, what am I doing? No, that was the right thing to do. Well, I went back. I was, at the time, I was sleeping on Mike Wozniak's floor, because I'd um, just uh, I'd come out of the aforementioned relationship. And um, Mike was a doctor who routinely had to tell people they were going to die. Uh, before he was a comedian. And he was like, you've got to be cruel to be kind in that situation. You've got to say, you know, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't for you. Maybe you shouldn't. But I didn't do that. And I, I still think about that as something that was a mistake that I made. I th well, I think you did the right thing. Is it right? One of my best mates, not a comedian, is the worst golfer you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And I was I was one saying I was sort of saying what Mike was saying about things in general, that if you're rubbish at something, maybe you're better off knocking it on the head. And yeah. My mate was like, I love golf. 
so much. I'm never going to be any better. I'll be rubbish. No, but that, there's a huge difference Go to on. a man who's bad at golf. He's not decided to forgo his family life at home to try and join the join the live tour. Do you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> he's he's not thinking if I give this another year, I'll be playing in the Ryder Cup. Do you know what I mean? No, but I think some of those lifers. I think some no, of this lifers... guy. This guy was he was doing it because he thought this was it. Ah, uh, sorry. Right. Okay. Because I think some. Of the, I think some guys do it purely for the love of the game and they enjoy the open mic circuit. Mm. But this guy, he, what he actually thought. Well, I think so because he was thinking of quitting because it was going badly. So if, if it, if it going badly, it was going to make him quit. Then he wasn't doing it for the love of it, I suppose. But I'm just glad Romesh stuck at it. <laughs> uh, right. Well, so Josh, um, I mean, given, given the, the, the breadcrumb that you've dropped there, I, I'm intrigued to see how this goes. So you're, you're cre- curating, uh, Tim. I don't think I've ever said that word correctly in, a, in any episode yet. You're curating your your fantasy comedy gig. It is an excuse to gossip about all things comedy. Uh, capturing that pre-gig gossip. I think we've I think we've done that already. Um, do you have? This is the question that is hanging on by a thread because there are times when I feel like I'm the only person with pre-gig rituals. Do you have any pre-gig rituals? Yeah, I do. I don't know why that's hanging on by a thread. Um, I think. Um... So I'd there's a period when I started where I'd worry about like being hot and going red on stage uh or sweating a lot on stage. So I get a cup of water I used to get a cup of water and I'd put it on my and I'd splash my face with water before going on stage to wake me up and cool myself down and I put it on my pulse points as well which as you would know are your wrists and Behind your ears, is that one of them? Yeah. Um, and so I, I would stand at the side of the stage with a pint of water, putting my hand in it and kind of flicking the water onto my face. Do you still but, do this now? Well, you can't on TV because you've got makeup. So that slightly stopped me doing it, if that makes sense. Um, but there is, there, is, there is something about that, that 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 is a good ritual because also the, the very motion of doing that will get, will you know, the... Um, It'll wake that, you up. And it will fire up that as soon as you, you almost subconsciously are also going, once you're doing that, that's your brain going, right, it's gig time. That, I think that yeah, also... totally, because you'd never do that normally. I think it's a good ritual. That's a good ritual. Um, in terms of preparing for the gig uh, on tour or doing new material, I don't think about the gig at all for the 20 minutes, two hours beforehand. I would not look at notes. I would not do anything. I just, I don't think it's too late by that point, really. Um, If you're doing a tour show, you know it. Um, So I would literally just be talking about other things until the moment I go on. Right. Yeah. Do you buy those rituals? Is that a ritual? That is a ritual. I've got, I, you're the first person I've told this to. So, you, as you know, I get, I would like to say lovingly mocked, but mocked all the same for this bananas and sparkling water. Yeah. Every gig, bananas. You've added sparkling. lovingly there. I hope it's lovingly, you know. I hope well, it's, it's interesting. Maybe it's merc- mercilessly. It, yeah. I don't know. Okay. It's an interesting. Okay. Point. Spitefully. Um, yeah. Jealously? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> went to the, 
my two young girls went to the dentist a few weeks ago and I thought, oh, that's not something I've not done uh, since before lockdown. I'll, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. go as well. Went to the dentist. Dentist, do you drink sparkling water? Yeah. Do you drink a lot of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when do you drink it? Oh, every gig. Probably probably get through two litres. Two litres per gig or per warm-up. Easy. Um, yeah, you seriously eroded all of your teeth. Fuck here now. Yeah. So I drink a lot of sparkling water. I he, well, I can hear Doctor Nicholas saying now, like Obi Wan Kenobi, stop it, because it's right. It, it's um, it's uh, you oh, know what, so what are you going to replace it with? Because normal water is so boring. It's so boring. I said to the dentist because I don't drink. I was like, that's like me. That's like the equivalent of me having champagne. And he's like, yeah, sorry, dude, can't have champagne either. So what are you going to replace it with? Just normal water? It's going to be... I mean, what? I mean, it's crap. Like, normal water compared like, to sparkling water. What is the point, you know? But yeah, all <laughs> my, pretty much all my teeth now need, like, major... All need major work. Fucking hell. Off sparkling water. I thought you were going to say it was the sugar in the bananas. Bananas are fine. Uh, but he said, uh, yeah, how many years have you been doing this? Tell him how many years I've been drinking it. And he, I mean, you know... I could see, like, you know, he was getting whiter the more I was talking. So uh, there's a lesson there, kids. Yeah. yeah. What can I replace it with? There's nothing, is there? Just water. There, what could you replace it with? Squash, which then I doubt bad. he'd say is good. That's bad for but, your teeth. Um, like, kind of, yeah. I said, like, I, said I, drink, I drink coffee on a morning. Is that a problem? He's like, coffee's fine. All oh, right, okay. So there is a crumb of comfort. So is it, can you put a limit on sparkling water? Could he... What's the what's the agreed amount of sparkling water like? What amount of sparkling de- water a week can you hit? I'm back there this afternoon to have a crown fitted. That's how bad it is. Oh my god! Yeah, so I'll ask I'll ask him this afternoon. Oh, I can't making... wait to tell people that happened to you. I'm so sorry. No, no. I, you know what? I, I would expect nothing less. Um, who would you have as your opener, Josh? Okay, so I'm going for full. I want to go back to the. I want to go back to when I was on the open mic circuit. So I'm going to, now I'm going to switch it around and I'm going to, so I think the first ever tour show I did uh, was in Barton upon Humber. Amazing. Is this opener or MC? Or would you want to do first? Do MC first if you like. So my MC for the evening um, is, uh, Susie Ruffle because she's supported me in my first ever support gig and she's con- she's continued to be uh she supported me at the Palladium this year uh for kind of old time's sake obviously she's a brilliant comic but also we've spent so many hours driving to so many gigs that it doesn't even really matter like she's an incredible comic but that doesn't even really matter anymore because it was just we've spent so many formative hours of comedy together backstage in regional theatres and in cars that it wouldn't feel like a gig without Susie being the first person to step on stage. That is, that's so lovely. That's like, you know, some, some actors become big, but then they still look out for the dudes with whom they were knocking about as they were breaking. Yeah. But Susie's like big herself. She's so good. And she's so brilliant. Yeah. That you go like, I kind of, she came back and did the Palladium. You're like, well, you're just doing this for pleasure pleasure now. Do you know what I mean? You're just doing this to hang out, which is such a fun thing to do. And we had so many 
fun times on tour. Like, I mean, you, you just spent hours and hours and hours together. When I said we had so many fun times on tour, I thought, oh, that's really cued me up for an anecdote that I don't have. But, um, like, so there used to be a thing where um, we'd... So I should say, well, the first gig we did on Barton Upon Humber, my main memory of it is there was a, a table tennis table in the dressing room. And we started just rallying the ball back and forward. And I said, if we don't, if we get 50, then this will be a good gig. And it was too high a number. And I, we did it. I reckon we were stood there for 45 minutes. But by the point, you know, by the time you said that, you're like, well, it's too late now. Um, But there used to be a thing where um, I'd get out of my... I, it was a, a routine I had, which was uh, about... So it happened at a gig that the venue had found a note afterwards between two people on a table about me that said, is that the guy from The Hobbit? Right? And I had this piece of paper that was a ripped piece of paper that these people had written. Yeah. <laughs> and this was like the opening or one of the opening routines of um, the tour. One tour, whenever this was. And the routine would involve me getting a piece of paper out of my pocket as, it, as to read the thing out. But obviously I knew what it said. Sure. But so each night, me and Susie, Susie would write a different in-joke message on a piece of paper for me that I would only then see when I, I when I got it out of my pocket on tour. Nice. Um, And so whatever these would be, uh, they'd always be different jokes on the tour and she'd see if she could make me laugh. And and so then I each night I'd end up with one of these pieces of paper with it um that in. And then I kept them all. And then I, when it was her 30th birthday, I got them put in a frame. Oh. Framed of the college of our tour. Collage even of our tours. Oh, mate. But if any other comic saw that collage, it'd be awful because it's got so many scurrilous things that we've said about people or awful things about comedians written on pieces of paper. It's a career-ending collage. That's superb. I would I would love to see the collage. Um, Susie, also, I mean, you, you touched on it earlier. She's got, she has got that. She's got love of the game, hasn't she? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Great comedian. Great dude. When you're on tour with someone that much, does the conversation ever dry up in the car? Not with Susie. It would never dry up. Uh, we always had such a good time. Um, it was just brilliant. Like, at the start, she was driving. Um, so, you know, we'd just get in the car and we'd go to these places where it was, like, 200 seats in, like, I don't know, wherever. Um Kendall. Kendall or yeah exactly we did Kendall in fact when we did Kendall um we we were like doing three different places in the Lake District so we had a hotel and we had two separate rooms one under Ruffle and one under Widdicombe obviously and we turned up and uh the woman looked at us and said oh yeah we've got you down is it the Whiffles Um, which stuck with stuck with <laughs> superb, superb, lovely, lovely stuff. Lovely I mean, stuff. but yeah, we just had such a good time on tour, and it was like I don't know, it was just really 
easy. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing, isn't it? That's like when you get on with someone, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy. Um, and is it is it true that hypothetical was was sort of born out of those chats and things that you would do on tour? Yeah, one of the first ones was like we'd talk a lot about what how you would survive if you had to spend a year in a service station. So we talk about that a lot. Um, I also remember talking to my tour manager, Ben, about whether he'd find it acceptable if I was learning the saxophone. And I was just sat in the car seat next to him playing the saxophone for eight hours, um, which is actually a really good idea because you could learn an instrument in, because there's so much dead time in the car. Like, you don't use it very well. You don't use it to further yourself. What is that all about? Because that is something I totally, I, I, I feel that quite a lot. I'll often think, as someone who loves his self-help, yeah, you've got all that dead time on trains. Why don't I really utilise it? And then the next thing you know, you're Googling how many Oscars did Catherine Hepburn win? Nothing. You, yeah. you know, why do we not use that time, Josh? Why are we not learning German? I think because, I don't know, it's really interesting because I think, in a way, it's a really easy job because it doesn't feel that stressful. You just go out and do it. You're not like, it's not like a, but in another way, it's very draining. And I think times when I've worked all day and then gone to a gig, you're fucked. Do you know? It's almost like, um, this is a weird analogy that I remember someone using. Like, you know, like a tree, you know, the space the tree takes up. Yes. But it needs all the other space around it to grow, if that makes sense. It does. It doesn't just need the space it's taking up. It needs all the gaps. Because the percentage of a tree that is actually air is greater than you think, isn't it? Right, yeah, yeah. But, but, but from, you know, you see all the branches, but in between that is all dead space. But yeah, it's yeah, not exactly. dead space because the tree needs that to actually keep Exactly. Growing. So that's the kind of analogy, I suppose. It's... I, I think as a comedian and a freelancer, you feel a deep, deep guilt about um, not working at all times. And I felt that for a good 10... I felt that until maybe this year when I've really tried to confront it. Hence why I've said repeatedly that I'm not doing your gig. How is the how is the powering down going? Fine. All right, actually, yeah. Um, quite nice. It's difficult to teach yourself that it's okay not to do anything on a Monday. Do you know what oh. I mean? But here I, I am. Mean, look, because there is a gap, actually, on... <laughs> Just a bit of fun, bit of fun. Um, who who would you have opening the gig? So Susie has roofed the MC and done, done God's work. Who would open? So I've chosen three acts that I absolutely loved um, when I was on the... Because I was like, who would I actually want to watch? And I was like, I've watched... There's no one in my peers that I haven't watched recently, or sure. uh, I've seen all the famous acts that I want to see. If you know what I mean, you've gigged with Jerry Seinfeld. You I've gigged with Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, and he's gigged with me. More importantly, sorry, you know, I, 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 two way street. Turn back time and rephrase that. I would, yeah. Um, he, so I was actually like, what would be the most exciting thing for me to watch? And it would be the acts that I loved when I st in the first few years I started out that are no longer really doing comedy and up that much. So they're doing it a bit, but they're not doing it in the way that means you could watch them at ABC every week. So opening, I've got Henry Packer. 
Who? Mate, what a comedian. What a brain. I just think he's the funniest person. Just incredibly funny person. Um, an incredibly funny stand-up. Um, who has uh, just got an incredible... Yeah, he's got such a unique brain. Yes. So I've gone with Henry Packer to open. His routine about moving out of London and and commuting is yeah phenomenal. I wish I wish he was gigging every week. I'm, He's I... got so many memorable routines. He had the first time I saw him was in the Comedy Zone in two thousand eight, and he had a routine about on the old phones then when your text saves to draft and who is saving drafts of texts that was so funny. Um, and he had a routine about. Um, He's got a brilliant, I remember a brilliant routine he had a bit later on about um, when you del- when you completely delete your internet history. Yes, yes. <laughs> and people are asking, why, why have you never been on a website? <laughs> I think the thing with Henry is he he's never, stand-up has never been his thing that he wants to do more than any other thing. Like he's current, he's a brilliant illustrator. He's yeah. illustrating. He's currently illustrating books for Adam Kay. He's writing uh, reincarnation with Tom Crane and stuff. And you go, Henry needs more than stand up to fulfil his creative kind of uh, needs. That's great. And he's a mutual friend, Mike Wozniak. You know they they do great work with. Oh, that three bean salad podcast is so funny with Ben Partridge and Wozniak. They are brilliant. It's such a funny podcast. I love that podcast. So middle, I've gone for Nathaniel Metcalf. Do you know Nathaniel Metcalf? Yes. Yeah. Who I started on the open mic scene with and was absolutely, couldn't be more my wheelhouse. I absolutely loved all of his comedy. He was brilliant. Um, And he still does comedy a bit, but he's not, once again, I'm choosing people that don't do stand-up every night of the week. So it's a treat to see them. And you love them. And I love them. He was, his routines, he had a routine, he had routines about things that I loved that were being talked about in stand-up. You know, like, you'll see boring American comedians interviewed and they'll say, what I love about stand-up is you can talk about anything you want. And they mean trans issues. Yeah. But what I loved about Nathaniel Metcalf stand-up is he'd use the opportunity to talk about anything you want to talk about Neil Buchanan from Art Attack for 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. That is what I want from a comedian. He's got an, a routine about a film called The Barefoot Executive that was a Kurt Russell made-for-TV movie. Um, he's got a routine about The Honey Monster and Sugar Puffs. His routine about that, which is based on Someone behind him on a bus having a conversation about the honey monster. But throughout it, they think the character is called Sugar Puffs. <laughs> and it's so funny. And you're like, this is comedy that is written for my sensibility. This is exactly what I want comedy to be about. I, I must say, I think one, where our Venn diagrams cross and... and uh, I, I, um, one of the foundations upon which our friendship is based is that mm. we love a we love a bit of um, a retro reference. Yes, totally. 
We're no strangers to a random late 80s, early 90s. Totally. And I think that's the thing with, like... Like, I think the more... The funnier the funny references are ones you don't expect. They're not references you don't get. They're ones you don't expect. Like, I saw a comedian being interviewed and they said, you should always go for the reference that most people will know because then the most people will get the joke. And you're like, that is the opposite of what I want for my comedy. Totally. I don't want the punchline to be Ed Sheeran. It's got to be, because you've got to find it funny yourself because you've got to believe it as you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So can't go da 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 Adele. Adele, EastEnders, or you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. The voice, yeah. So, also, Alan Carr says this in his first book, Look at Me, or look, no, uh, look who it is, isn't it? But he says, and this really stayed with me the audience have a, a better inbuilt bullshit detector than you realize, and I think yeah. you can always tell when somebody's throwing out a reference that they don't really believe. Totally, totally agree. I think that's one of the problems with, I think you have, because you, you end up doing a lot of topical stuff when you're on TV to start with. You shouldn't pretend that if you're not a topical comedian, you should bring that stuff around to your kind of comedy. You shouldn't pretend to be someone you shouldn't. And that's the thing with, I've, I know comedians that go, you, but you need to be across all the new things because they're the things that people are talking about. You're like, yeah, but that won't be me. Me is someone who doesn't want to, hasn't listened to the new Harry Styles album because I don't want to listen to the new Harry Styles album because I don't care. So if, why would I listen to that so that I can then use it in a routine that I myself wouldn't find funny? 100%. And if you need to bring that back to a reference to Judith Chalmers and Wish You Were Here, then yeah, absolutely, let, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, maybe you wouldn't have quite as broad an audience, but I prefer to have a slightly less broad audience. But find my own stuff funny. Zoe, Zoe Lyons referenced something the other day that I didn't get the reference, but because Zoe Lyons believed in the reference, I was crying with laughter. What was the reference? It was, it was, some, sort of, it was some sort of nuclear incident. But I didn't... And, well, I, I think that's the other thing. It's not like the whole joke needs a, a knowledge of the sequence of pavements albums but like obviously i'm not saying that but like you could do a topper where the act out is got a reference to big break and what i always think about is the simpsons and when you used to watch the golden age of the simpsons mate great shout great jokes in that that you wouldn't get but because of the context you would get it i didn't know who richard simmons was but i I got what the gag was right and so it's the same thing. You're not going, well, I'm turning this off. I didn't know 100% of the references. Uh, my, probably my favourite, my favourite, my all-time favourite comedian or comedy person is David Letterman, right? I got into him oh, as a yeah. teenager. But I, my first instant, my the first time I heard of David Letterman was via The Simpsons. So they re, they used to reference him quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I, I was still able to laugh, even though I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Yeah. So you could still get what they're... You know, Dick Dick Cavett's power drive. You know the, the was it? No, sorry, Lee Carvello's putting challenge. Yeah, exactly. I, don't, I still don't know who Lee Carvello is, but I still no, but I get, laugh you're my not head like, off. I can still get that he must be a golfer, right? <laughs> it doesn't. I'm not like that needed to be Seve Valesteros, otherwise I won't laugh. Hundred uh, percent. Right, superb, Nathaniel. Great shout, closer. Yeah. Uh, 
the the retired from English language comedy Ellis James, who only does Welsh stand up these days. Hang on, is he genuinely officially retired from English stand up? Well, I haven't seen him do it in years. Wow, great pick. Yeah, yeah. I reacted to that as if he just said that Neil Young wasn't going to make any more albums. <laughs> really took the wind out of my sails. I'm like, no, that can't please tell me that's not a thing. Well, he might yeah. as well not be making new albums because they're not on Spotify. But um, he... Um... <laughs> lovely. It's a lovely bit of business. It's a lovely bit of business. Um, but he, yeah, he just, he seems to mainly do Welsh language comedy these days, um, which is a shame. Because he, I love Ellis's stand up, and I'm, but not enough to learn Welsh. <laughs> Mate, that's what you're going to fill the time with in that passenger seat from now on. <laughs> this one's for you, Ellis. Um, yeah. Naturally funny, funny, naturally bones, funny, incredibly again, lovely references. Lovely, exactly. You, you, do you know, like this, this will be an evening of very, you know, very uh, oblique British. British nostalgia references, which is what I'm in for, really. Um, like, Ellis was one of the first people I became friends with in comedy, and he was brilliant. He used to do a routine at the time about... Um, his main routines were, like, this routine about picking up a boy he didn't know in the swimming pool, like... Uh, <laughs> um, and he had a routine about Oakwood, the Welsh um, Welsh theme park. Uh, and he uh, he was brilliant. He was so good, and it's utterly natural to him. Yes. I don't think he's ever sat down and written a word in his life, but I might be wrong on that, for his stand-up. So what, you think he goes on stage, he knows roughly what he's going to say and hits the beat? Yeah, definitely. Have you ever seen his... Does he, is, is there a routine where he ends up... He's, he's in someone's house... And he ends up singing a speeded up version of Last Christmas by George Michael. Yes, yes, there That's is. That's a great bit, isn't it? Yeah. And twice it, it, a, twice a share. And he's doing the, it's him doing the sped up dance moves. Yeah, I'd say um, it's an advantage if every one of your routines is 10 minutes, because you only need six routines to do a show. But it's also a skill to be able to hold a routine for that long. Great choice. And a, and a lovely dude as well. Lovely bloke, yes. Um so I've chosen him to headline because he can go on a bit. So the other people could maybe get the train, the other acts. Along with the sound guy. <laughs> Along with the sound guy, yeah. Uh, right, that's, that is, I would say that is a, that, that would be a, a pretty perfect night, Josh. I'd, I'd have a thoroughly good time. Uh, is there an incident you'd love to happen? In other words, what has been your favourite ever incident from a gig? Well, we were talking about how I quite can't can't be bothered to do the full time uh and i once got to the gig and there was a power cut and i didn't have to do the whole gig and the joy james i felt was absolutely incredible oh my god what like that, that almost like childlike euphoria well it was like do you remember when you went to school and it was snowing and you got sent home it yeah. was that feeling of like couldn't I've... believe your luck while I enjoy the gig, there's nothing like getting a night off, is there? No. There's nothing close. Did you, I mean, you must have had this on the open mic circuit. You turn up and there would be a, a small amount of audience and you'd be thinking, please fucking pull this. 
please don't go ahead with this. Come on. Did you have that? Or were you ashen faced? Were you the promoter going? I reckon we could do this with six. Come on. We've never, I don't want to jinx it. We've never had to pull and always be comedy. And I hope we never have to. But certainly in those early days when numbers were low, I was very much the guy going, come on, we can, let's do this. <laughs> but yeah, I've absolutely been, I've been that open mic act, travelled to wherever, and, you know, grey-faced promoter, we're going to have to pull the gig. And it, you are, you know, I, I love comedy a great deal, but even, even, even I am mentally punching the air with joy. Yes. Yeah, um, I think. I don't think there's any job in the world Whatever your job and however much you love it, if you're then given the day off when you thought you were working, it's incredible. I'm going to tell you something that is that will make you uh, groan because it's it's very always be comedy and sickeningly positive. There was a power, for the first time ever in eleven years of eleven plus years of always be comedy. There was a power cut mid gig, and of course, uh, several audience members and myself used our the torches on our phone to illuminate. Josh is shaking his head, which is what yeah. I, I would hope for. I, 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 to, to I, illuminate the stage so that the, the middle spot, Finley Christie, could could carry on until they rectified the power cut. What are the best jobs in the world, right? Musician, right? I think if you were due to headline Glastonbury and they pulled Glastonbury and you got the weekend off, you'd be pleased. I still, but I, I think you'd go, I've, I don't care how much I wanted to do that. I've, I can watch Soccer Saturday now. I've got the day off. You see, I was very much at that time. I was, I was very much the show must go on. Yeah, but that's who you are, isn't it? I'm of the view, not so much the show must go on as um, does the show have to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's the next book title. <laughs> if you ever do like memoirs of a comedian, that is. <laughs> Does the show have to happen? Perfect. Uh, incident you'd love to erase. Your least favourite. Was it when the gig had to carry off? No. I, I. The thing is, it's like any job. You kind of go, I can't be bothered. And then you enjoy it when you do it. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. Does the show have to happen? Picture of you on the front shrugging. <laughs> uh, least um, favourite incident from a gig. Every heckle. I think heckles the most overrated thing in comedy. I, I mean, we've already touched on it with the light. I could not, but for the, by the way, Tim and myself, we're kindred spirits on this one, mate. We have total sense of humour bypass on, on heckles. Well, also, as a veteran of um, interviews with local papers when tour shows aren't selling, I am so bored of being asked the question, what is your favourite heckle? Yeah. I've been asked it for 10 years and I've still not got an adequate response. Yeah. Because I think... I think funny heckles, I would say, are the same as funny football chants. They don't exist. Yeah, I totally agree. I'll tell you a story about... Uh, so I, I'm pro Peter Kay in this story. Uh, I, when I was a teenager, I got into Peter Kay. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, indebted to him, love, love him a great deal, a, a hero of, of comedy. Uh, saw him a few times when I was at... Anyway, this is not the story. Friend of mine went to the Mum Wants a Bungalow tour, Apollo. Peter Kay walked on. Somebody shouted, some, some, somebody heckled something derogatory. And Peter Kay, I, I've told this story to other people, and they're like, what? And I'm like, no, 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 Peter Kay's correct. Peter Kay just went, right, kick him out. Big laugh from the crowd. 
Peter Kay, no. Kicked them out, stood there, waited until the Apollo staff came in. The, the, the guy's mate went to the guy, oh, you dickhead, because obviously they've paid money for yeah. the tickets and the, the, the show's not even started. And Peter Kay said, you've just got to trust me, they would have ruined the show for you all. And then he cracked on with the tour. It cracked on with the show and it was brilliant. Wow. And I, and See, I don't have that guts. Tim and I are very much... I've never seen him kick someone, anyone out. If we if we spot someone as trouble, we, we we act pretty quickly. Well, Richard Gill's been sat there for three years. We're playing the long game. <laughs> <laughs> With him, we're playing the long game. Uh, but you, you know what I mean? There's 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 because sometimes people can be enjoying the show and they think they're joining. Yeah, in. Those, yeah. those guys. I don't. Think, I'm not right. saying these people are awful. No, but I mean the people that are. We're talking about the people that are trying to ruin yeah, the gig. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Trying to make it about them. It's fine. But um, no, I I think it, people who don't do comedy or aren't involved in comedy, which is fine. Like people who are outside of the comedy industry are obsessed with the idea of heckles. Yeah, and that's the other thing about it. It's so rare. It's so rare that this happens, yeah. and so. You're like, why am I being asked about this thing that happens maybe once every 20 gigs? But I mean, if that... Yeah, exactly. If someone if someone heckles while I'm emceeing, one of my, I've got like a couple of go-tos. One of them is... Because also, I think most most people who go to gigs are comedy savvy. So when someone heckles, you, you actually get everyone turning around as if to say, what are you doing? You know, because yeah. this person has probably never been to a gig before. They think that gigs are like yeah. the 80s... Yeah. So you get you get this great community vibe of everyone turning like straining in their seats, like looking at them as if to say, "No, that's not a thing." So I'll either, yeah. I'll either say this isn't the eighties or this isn't jonglers, and so it's just a it's just a very quick yeah. sort of shaming them really, and then they no. realise, oh right, that's not a thing that you yeah. do, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one, but yeah, I'd say that is the the question I get asked the most. The the, the new uh, what's your favourite heckle? And these are more like if you meet someone, you know, a mate's wife or a mate's husband or whatever, and I'll get asked things like, um, God, I, bet, I bet you can't say anything at live gigs these days. Oh, mate, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, it's just... But that's because it's a media thing that's been fed to... I don't think yes. it's... I don't feel like, oh, this, pers this person's just been told that's what the things that is happening in comedy is. And so it's not really their fault in a way that that's their perception. Because if you're told repeatedly, you can't say anything these days. If you're told repeatedly, comedy is constantly being ruined by wokery. Then you're like, oh, that must be what people in comedy are talking about. I haven't had one conversation about it. Although admittedly, you know, I have booked a gig of people that haven't done stand up in a decade. So that's my... <laughs> So no, finger on the pulse I am. But no, nobody has ever, you know, a gig that we've, we've done, no one has ever stormed the stage and gone, I'm a member of the Wokarati and I'm upset by what you're... It's just, a, it's just a construct, isn't it? Yeah, totally. But there we go. There uh, we go. Was there ever a specific uh, least favourite incident? I suppose what I'm asking you there is, what's your favourite heckle? And, and that's the last No, I suppose it's answer. least favourite. But um, I did a gig at... Um, uh, a farming college uh, in Shropshire. I suppose I might as well name it. That's uh, called Harper Adams. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, so the the Ents officer, she said to us, if they sing a song, if they sing the, the Harp Adam song and bring a pint on stage, you have to down it. I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> even even at that stage of my career, I was like, I probably don't need to do that. And she said, oh, well, that's probably the, for the best because they did it to me last week. And um, it was a pint of piss. And you're like, what the fuck what? is going on here? And she drank it. Yeah, she didn't realise. Oh, my God. Awful. Awful. What a so, chilling end to a joyous chat. <laughs> um, well, no, she was very jovial about the whole thing. She thought it was great bands. Oh, God bless her. Wherever she is, I hope she's okay. Having a, <laughs> having a stomach pumped right now. <laughs> uh Josh, huge and heartfelt thanks. Sincerely, thank you for for being uh, thanks for being you, and all, but also thanks for being such a, a brilliant friend all these years. I'm, I'm always oh, back. it's a lovely it's a lovely gig, and you're lovely people to work with and re- receive WhatsApps from. So, Josh, I mean, the, this is this is wonderful. Uh, four, are we doing four Parenting Hell live shows? So it's Manchester, fourteenth yeah. of April, Nottingham. These are, by the way, these are arenas each time. 19th of April, Nottingham. 20th of April, Cardiff. And then the O2. Birmingham as well. And we're doing Wembley Arena. Why are they not on there? Are they sold out already, maybe? No, I don't know. Probably not. Who knows? And then the book is out now as well. Yeah, why not? Uh, Anything else? Just, um, you know, enjoy your lives. Enjoy your lives, and then, and then, listener, um, when Josh does make that uh, heroic emotional return to stand-up, we hope it will be with uh, Always Be Comedy. Uh, I'll see you at Top Secret Comedy in about six months, listeners. <laughs> that left a mark. Um, <laughs> Josh, big thanks as always, mate. Cheers, mate. Take care, dude. Right. Thank you. Uh, huge thanks to Josh Widdicombe. He, God, what a funny dude, and what what a what a marvelous dude. And we now say goodbye with a regular feature, and that is where Tim and I reminisce about our favourite memory of that week's guest. Tim, Josh Widdicombe, what is your favourite memory, or, or what do you think of when you think of Widders? <laughs> well, what I think of when I think of Widders is he is possibly the best pre-show gossip in the business an absolute absolute top draw champions league level pre-show gossip there are times where always be comedy starts late because the pre-gig chat has been absolutely electrifying sort of that's sort of the vibe we've wanted to capture with the pod isn't it now obviously for legal reasons you know you can't put everything in there but (laughs) appreciate where we're coming from there. Uh, so I would say my favourite memory of Widders is the first time he ever did the wedding routine at Always Be Comedy. Because right. it was it was a bit like in the movie Elvis, where, where the girls realise that there's something special about Elvis. And the first time I heard Widders' wedding routine... I do. There's nothing more annoying than when you're watching one of those talking head shows and someone go, they're talking about something, and they go, and I remember thinking, and you're like, jog on, mate. 
However, just to sound like a hypocrite, I do remember thinking, ah, Josh has actually got an all-time classic bit of gear here. Josh being compared to Elvis is currently doomed for rounds on so many WhatsApp groups. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, we are the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. We're also on Instagram, alwaysbecomedy, or on Twitter, alwaysbecomedy. We're even, believe it or not, on TikTok at alwaysbecomedy. We are on TikTok. How many how many videos have you put up? Two. One. <laughs> I've got I've got another one. I've got another one ready. Mate, let's let's get that bullet in the chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, if you if you want to see two dudes who don't really know what they're doing on TikTok, please how many followers do we have? Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm you know what? I'm not even gonna I'm not ever gonna check <laughs> until you tell me it's safe to check. Uh, thank you very much for listening.